Yes, people, what's happening? And welcome to the Frankie Allen podcast. You are here with your host, Will Cranny, alongside the UK's most feared comedian, Frankie Allen, who's sitting next to me with a cup of tea in hand. Are you feeling good, Frank? How are you today? Feeling great, actually. Very kind of, um, still, you know, only the 11th of February, still right at the start of the year. Looking forward to this year. Hopefully, you're going to have a great one. Yeah, okay, so just a little recap of what's been going on with us and what is to come. So first things first, this may be the very last podcast that goes out on a Sunday, uh, which is just from our home setup, which includes just Frank and myself, because from Monday we go into uh, Liverpool Podcast Studios. We are recording in there on a weekly basis with brand new guests. Our first guest to come on Monday, which will be out next Sunday on YouTube and on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to this or watch this, will be the Mind PT, Phil Steele. Frankie, you looking forward to that? Looking forward to meeting Phil Steele again, living legend Phil Steele. Um, I mean, we've spoken about this before, but just anybody who doesn't know, let me tell you, I haven't been able to fly for like 20, 30 years. Could not fly, terrible fear of flying. Phil Steele who's a comedy hypnotist around the clubs. That's how I know him. But also he's got his office in the Port of Liverpool building in Liverpool where he does, you know, hypnotism for people who've got problems, you know, who've got addiction to whatever, to um, drink or to, to smoking or you've got fears of flying, fear of open spaces. He can cure you and he cured me of my fear of flying. Brilliant. So I'm really looking forward to working with Phil Steele. Yeah, cool. It'd be good to see him on Monday. And one of the main reasons why I wanted to get Phil in first is obviously because there's a bit of a cool backstory between how me, Frank, Phil all know each other um, and the fact of he actually flew to Tenerife. Frankie flew to Tenerife due to the fact that he was hypnotised by Phil Steele, which is a bit of a mad story in, in itself. But we have been getting a hell of a lot of messages from people saying, you know, these vlogs, podcasts, stuff like that are keeping their spirits high. A lot of people who are becoming really depressed now due to the, the lockdown situation, which I don't want to touch on too much due to the fact that, you know, everyone's in the same boat. It's hard graft. And I know this is light relief for a lot of people, but I, I'm hoping that Phil will be able to come on and give you some ideas, hints and tips, maybe to, to boost your morale, get yourself out of any dark places that you're in. And it'll just have, be a good laugh at the same time. What do you think, Frank? Maybe, just maybe, he may be able to hypnotise people over the air kind of thing. Just like Yori Geller did in the 70s. There's a fellow called Yori Geller who used to bend spoons and things. And he done this mass hypnosis thing. You know, he suggested something to people. I think it was go and get a spoon out of your jaw. And a lot of people went and done it. But no, really looking forward. Phil Steele is fantastic. Great hypnotist. Brilliant. So, uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to that. That's going to go out next Sunday. Um, filming that on Monday, bringing you a hell of a load of new guests, which I'm really, really looking forward to. I'm sure Frank's looking forward to too. Um, if you've got any suggestions for guests that you'd like to bring on, you'd like us to bring on the podcast, just shoot us a, a comment below. Um, next thing I want to talk about tomorrow, we are filming a podcast that isn't ours. We are going on to the How Are We Famalam podcast. How do you feel about that? Well, I'm looking forward uh, to working with the great boxer Jazza Dickens. And John May, who's fantastic. The characters, I don't know anybody knows John May out there. Certainly very well known in Liverpool on Merseyside and beyond. But he's got these characters that he do. A lot of female characters, kind of scouse girls. Um, I don't know the, the names of the girls. He's got called? one called Kenny Corona, one called Turkey Teeth. Turkey Teeth. Absolutely fantastic. I mean, it's, uh, I'm a comedian, so it takes a lot 
to get me laughing. But every time I watch his videos, I piss myself very, who's, very funny, John favorite, May. Who's your favourite character? Brilliant. The Kerry Katona thing, the one, that one. You know, with, oh, no, not Kerry Katona, Kenny Corona. Kenny Corona? Yeah. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, but it's yeah. a bird, isn't it? It's a girl. No, that's a lad. That's a lad. Well, what's the name of the bird, then? Don't know. Yeah, well, I'm going to ask John tomorrow about all his characters, try and get the names off them up the more, but I'm fascinated with them, absolutely. And anybody, any scousers anyway, and people who know Liverpudlians, will know when you watch his characters, fucking hell, you know, there are people like that out there. Well, the main so character, so that, funny. the main one I buzz off is that turkey teeth fella, because that is like what a gangster in Liverpool is like. Yeah, a lot of people... You know, he's going, oh, wow, are we, lads, yeah, and all yeah, that. You can see, you can identify straight away. Just like, you know, my character as Frankie Allen on the stage, people laugh because although I'm exaggerating a certain type of character, there are people like that out there. And there are people, people that John, portray, uh, John May portrays are out there. You know, I've met certain people who are very like the characters that he portrays. He's exaggerating, obviously, for comic effect, but he does it brilliantly. And um, Jazza Dickens, a legend in the boxing world, dying to meet him. I believe he's a great lad and a fantastic boxer. So, yeah, it's going to be great. He sent a voice message the other day. So, if anyone doesn't know, How Are We Family Land podcast is a podcast run by Jazza Dickens and John May. We're going on that tomorrow. They've had some big hitters on there already. Darren Till, Bell, you, a couple of them have been on there. And they I got a voice note off Jazza and he said, can you come tomorrow at two o'clock? And then he said, one more thing. Uh, Daddy said he's going to fuck your half, fella. Well, I hope what's I don't that take me- that literally. What's, what's that meant to mean? I thought he's going to give me a good eye. Yeah, but no, it's, uh, he's just having a laugh. I mean, yeah, I think he was the bantamweight champion of the world, actually, or he fought. I know he challenged for a few. I'm not sure if he was crowned world champion, but he should be. He was fantastic. Who's this Jazza? Jazza Dickens. He's just yeah. been... Uh, He's just been given a shot for the world title against uh, that kid Galahad. As we speak now. Yeah, he's Oh, isn't that fantastic? So we're really up to date. Um, yeah, we've got all these people, all this talent that we were surrounded by talent, you know, on Merseyside. There's so many, so, so many talent, talented people, it's fantastic. Yeah, and weird, weird roundabout way, Jazz has also uh, coached, I think his mind, his mind coach or whatever, however you'd call it, mental coach is Phil Steele. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what? It's it's so amazing. I mean, I remember being in Dubai, just to go off the subject there, because I've moved around and worked around the clubs and around England and the north of England or whatever. A lot of people in different cities seem to come to prominence, if you know what I mean, where everybody knows certain characters in each town. Yeah. Now, I remember being in Dubai and we were having a drink one night with these girls. Me, this guy that I kind of knew who was the um, the event organiser for the show that I did when I was working in Dubai. And he used to be in a band from Oldham called Morgan. Anybody who's a bit older will remember Morgan. He had a big band in Oldham in the 80s. I think he was the drummer. And we got talking to him. We were all sitting around. There was a girl there from Preston, one from Crew, And I had a few drinks that I was a bit pissed. And I said, look, anybody, any of you people in here, I will know somebody that you know. Yeah. So this fella said, I live in Crew." I said, okay, you live in Crew. Timmy Shannon. Yeah. Timmy Shannon organised loads of shows in Crew. He had a hotel called The Sleepers. He had a few quid. Everybody knows Timmy. So I said, Timmy Shannon. He went, fucking hell, do you not know, do you know Timmy? And I said, yeah, I know Timmy very well. Mm. And we just went right round the table and I knew everybody. This guy, girl said, you won't know anybody where I live. I live in Oldham, the other side of Oldham, going towards Ashton. I said, yeah. 
Keith Jagger. And she went, oh, no, you're not no Keith. And it's strange, really. Every city, every town in, in, in the country, really, people seem to come to prominence and get well-known and they all know each other. You're talking to somebody. And little do you know, they probably know 10 or 15 people that you know. Yeah, 100%. Is that what you think it's like in Liverpool as well? Very much so, everybody. Liverpool's a kind of a village in some ways, village mentality, where there's no secrets. Everybody knows what's going on. Mm. You know, people who can't, and Liverpool people as well, they're not very good at keeping things to themselves. They're very kind of like, you know, empty vessels. They like they like telling things, you know, and uh, I mean, I could just, I could tell you so many stories about where, you know, Liverpool people have put the foot in it, you know. In what way? They've got themselves in trouble. Well, I won't mention any names, but I remember a guy when I was down in Kensington and he was a bit of a bad lad and um, he raided this post office, him and his mates, and got a few quid and they got caught. The only reason he got caught, because his missus was in the hairdressers the following week. She was sitting there in front of everybody in the hairdressers, looking in the mirror, she's getting all the hair done, all lovely and all that. And she went, oh yeah, uh, just like one of John May's characters, she went, uh, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're going to Tenerife in the morning. And the girl said, oh, are you, are you ready? Oh yeah, five star. Then she went, that was my fella. we done the post office. <laughs> yeah. And grassed him up because the Liverpool people can't stop bragging. <laughs> so a couple of hours later the police were all over him and he got arrested so Chevy. you know they, they are a little bit kind of too talkative <laughs> okay interesting so yeah that's to, to bring you up to speed on what's happening with us over the next couple of weeks um, we have got some ideas coming up for YouTube videos before we talk about what we've got coming up ideas wise let me tell you about Let's talk about the video that went out on Tuesday. Obviously, the podcast went out last week on Sunday, reviewing yeah. some of the, the kickoffs that we'd had at shows. If you haven't listened to that, go check it out. But on Tuesday, we put out something that was very well received. Um, it was uh, your horror gigs, did we call it? What it was, it, yeah, it was horror gigs. It was shows that I'd done in the 80s, really. Maybe, yeah, the 90s as well, where I'd had a bad time. And there's hundreds of comedians who've worked on the club's who could tell you their own horror stories about where they've been to a place, they've been booed off, they've been dragged off the stage, someone has run up to them and given them a belt, someone's punched them, someone's thrown, you know, I've had, I've, no lads who've been stabbed, you know, and fellas who've, like, thrown pints of what they used to do if they didn't like it, you know, they'd throw a pint of booze all over you, a pint of lager, a pint Does of whatever that it was, to you? throw it all over you. That's never happened to me with a pint, but it's happened to a few um, friends of mine who were comedians. So th there's stories everybody can tell. You know, there's one guy, I'll tell you this short story. His name was Mike Lark. I don't think he's a comedian anymore. And this was in the 80s. And uh, he was, I don't think he was, he was older than me. He, was, he wasn't getting on. He was about 35, 40. And he was on a club in Liverpool in Cronton. And it was Ford's club. They used to have a lot of comics on there all the time. Now, this is perfectly true. This isn't, you know, exaggerated in any way for effect. Uh, he goes in the club, and as I say, in those days, you always had to do two sessions. You had to go on at eight o'clock, and you'd finish quarter to nine. You'd come off, then they'd want you back on a half nine to do another session till about ten past ten. So you're really under pressure. 
you know, to bring home the bacon, to do a good show and to do at least an hour, two 30 minutes or two 45 minute spots to keep the night going and they'd be happy with that. So Mike Clark, he goes into this club in Cronton and... Uh, Where's Cronton? Cronton's just outside Liverpool. It's Witness really, outside of Witness, between kind of Whiston and Witness. So goes in this club, Ford's Club. He always had entertainment. I've been in there, a fantastic club, but he goes in there and uh, they put him on about half eight on this occasion. So he goes on, telling a few gags. And he was telling me, he said, you know, when he recovered, he said, it didn't feel too good that night. So he finishes his thing, his spot, walks off the stage. As he's going to the dressing room, he collapses and has a heart attack. Fucking hell. Yeah. So anyway, the ambulance come and everything, to take him away. He's in hospital for a couple of weeks. So about a week later, 10 days later, his brother comes down to the club, walks in, and he goes, oh, look, I'm my Clark's brother. Can I see Tommy, the secretary of the club? And he's, oh, yeah, how are you doing and all that? How's, how's Mike getting on? Oh, he's a lot better. He's going to be coming out of hospital soon. Great, you know, and all that. So he said, yeah, well, I've just come to pick his wages up, you know, his money. And he should have been on like 150 quid or something, you know. And I said, yeah, here's his money, yeah. So the guy took the money and he went, oh, I, yeah, but... The, there's only 75 quid here. Like he said, yeah, oh yeah, 75. He said, no, he said, he said he's on 150 that night. And the guy said, yeah, but he, he only done one session. He was only on once, he done one spot. Ah, oh, it's ruthless, that. And he said, you had a heart attack? And he went, well, okay, you had a heart attack, but he still only done one spot. And we had to like get the organist to like do an extra hour playing the organ and I had to give him 50 quid. No, that's all he's getting. Ruthless. So there's some stories that you couldn't, you could hardly believe nowadays. You couldn't think people would be so cruel, but these are all true stories. Hey, <laughs> so yeah, if you haven't gone, if you haven't checked that out, you can check out my gig horror stories now on YouTube. I'm just going to read out a few comments that um, are on there. Um, let's see, we've got um, this is from Desmond Broad. Hey guys, love the obvious bond you two have. It's great to see father and son so close, but I've got to say, Frankie, I've been ragging my head for who you remind me of. And okay. tonight I realised you're the love child of Dave Courtney's dad and Cruella Deville. Okay, well, that's a compliment. <laughs> I've met Dave Courtney and he's a nice lad. I spoke to him on the phone actually a few weeks yeah. ago. He's actually quite sound, isn't he? He's mates with Joe Egan. Shout out to Joe Egan. Joe Egan, great Legend. guy. Irish champion, well, uh, you know, heavyweight champion, friend of Mike Tyson. Joe Egan, give me Joe his Egan, number, yeah. Luck. Said to Bellum, he's Joe Egan, if you don't know, legend. We have to get him on the podcast coming up, yeah? Joe's brilliant, great guy. Okay, um, this one from Craigie Boy. Yes, lads, brilliant stories, Frankie, as usual. Very honest sharing those experiences. I bet they have helped you become the comedian you are today. Top draw. Love the bit where you tried to walk up the stairs backwards. Only taking you 40 years to become an overnight success, eh? Well, never a true word spoken. And Bernard Manning once said, you know, that um, you can't be a comedian until you're over 40. You've got to have a little bit of experience in life, you know, to be able to withdraw, you know, to, to draw on everything that's happened to you. I mean, I'm, I'm going on stage now, and obviously 99% of the people in the audience know who I am, unless someone brought them out as a surprise. Yeah. You know, everybody knows, so they're all fans. So you get very le little kind of heckling. You don't get nasty people who are trying to boo you off. But I'm always aware, I'm always ready for, for kind of any contingency that could happen. You know, I'm watching the crowd. And because of all my experience, if someone 
in a nice crowd, going a great laughs, going on 15 minutes, 20 minutes. If someone suddenly kicked off, started screaming, I'll punch your fucking head in, and all that, I can handle it. So it's all experience, you know, it's all experience in life. And uh, thank God things have all kind of come together. You know, for me, it's like, um, you know, it's like a footballer, isn't it? You know, you get footballers who are 16 and 17, who might be very good footballers, soccer players, um, not quite ready to play in the Premiership, even though they've got that talent, because they lack a little bit of experience. Then you get footballers in the early 20s who've got a lot of raw talent and they're very, very good. But when they're in like 28, 30, 32, the experience, the talent, and um, the, you know, the, the kind of like um, charisma, everything seems to come together all at once where you reach a peak at a certain age. Same as boxers. You know, as you get older as a boxer, you lose your speed, but you never lose your punch. You keep your strength deep. Like, remember when um, George Foreman knocked out Michael Moore? You know, he was, he was like 47 at the time. Michael Moore was in his 20s and he became the heavyweight world champion at the age of 47 because he maintained, he kept his strength, although he was a lot slower than Moore was at the time. And uh, Moore walked onto a punch and he knocked him out. So, you reach a stage, probably an age as a comedian. Um, I don't know, I may have gone past that age now. There always, with every profession, there is an age where you're reaching a pinnacle, where everything coalesces, everything comes together. Your kind of experience, uh, your raw talent, your nerve, um, you, you, you kind of, um, what's the word? Your, your ambition, you know, you've got to want to work as a comic. You've got to want to be a... Boxer, if you get fed up with something, that's always bad. If you get tired, a lot of people retire and go, not doing it. So different ages for different things. So you've got to be, and I agree, you know what Bernard Manning said years ago, you've got to be at least 40 to be a comic because um, you need, as that guy's just pointed out, that you need all that experience to make you into the person that you are. Interesting. When they say it took you 40 years to be an overnight success, yeah, uh, it's interesting because you are kind of like the epitome of an overnight success, yeah. quote unquote. Uh, someone who kind of like just like exploded overnight. Yeah. Um, did you ever think that day was going to come? And when that day does come, what does it feel like? You know, what's the transition like from being, you know, zero to hero quickly? Well, it's like everybody else and anybody else who's out there in whatever field that you're in. Um, you try to be the best at what you can do. And for a few years, really, I knew, you know, I was at the top of my game, so to speak, as a comic. I'm not trying to be kind of like, you know, very kind of condescending to other comics or whatever, but done it a long time and I knew what I was doing and I knew how good I was. And opportunity hadn't knocked on the door. Strangely enough, Opportunity Knox had been on a few talent shows, never really got anywhere, and I wasn't getting the recognition which I thought I deserved. And I thought, kind of missed the boat, if you can imagine, I felt like a footballer who should have been in the Premiership, you know, like at late, late 30s, he was still playing for a Sunday league football team kind of thing. And I thought, no one's going to see me, no one's going to recognise me talent. It's all kind of like, you know... It's all been for nothing. And strangely enough, that day, on Father's Day in 2017, it was when it was recorded in the uh, in the Barry's Bar in West Derby in Liverpool. I've done thousands and thousands of clubs. I've worked out, I've estimated, since I started, I've been on the stage about 7,000 times, 7,500 times over a 40-year period, 42-year period, working all over the world, all over the UK. And then I do a gig, 
never got a break. I do a gig, which is only like half a mile from my house on Father's Day, a little pub. Didn't even know it was being filmed. But I remember coming out of that, you know, and I was very good that day. I remember saying to myself, I was on form, I was getting heckled, fellow was kicking off on me, threatening me. And as I say, everything seemed to come together that day. I was very good defending myself. I pushed the fella away. I was ready to hit this guy who I thought was going to punch me. Um, getting heckled at the bar, dealing with two, three, four hecklers at a time, um, trying to work out what kind of material the crowd wanted. And I knew it was on form that day. And I remember driving home thinking, fucking hell, you know, I was on top form there. I've got nothing to show for it. But, you know... This is another thing I'll say to people, never lose heart, never give up on your dreams. Little did I know that somebody had filmed me, they'd gonna keep it in their phone for 12 months, release it exactly 12 months later, just before Father's Day 2018, and that would be the making of me, that would go viral. So that's learned me an awful lot of lessons, and one of them is never, you know, Never give up hope on it. Never give up on your dreams. Keep on, keep on, keep trying and trying and trying. And um, if you don't get the break that you're looking for, at least you've got satisfaction in your own mind that you've tried and you've tried to make it. Yeah, I mean, you've got obviously a lot of decent insights from, you know, kind of being an overnight sensation. One of those, I remember going down to a gig with you uh, and you were being like quite contemplative. Um, and you said to me, you know what, like, I, I didn't expect it to be like this. And I was like, what do you mean? You were like, well, I have people queuing up to get a photograph with me. And, you know, there's a, there's like queues around the club and everyone's like trying to get a photo and all the rest of it. And they're all there to see me. And, well, it's not really what I thought it'd be. What like, what did you expect it to be? What what do you mean by that? Well, it's very different than what I thought. Um, I, I don't know, really. I'm not saying I don't like it. You know, I can't, I can kind of take it or leave it. But, Maybe it's because it's come so late in life that uh, probably if I was 20 or in my 30s or whatever, you'd be fucking out every night, you know, kind of like a champagne Charlie in nightclubs and things and whatever, saying, oh, look at me, I'm Frankie Allen, <laughs> trying to get fucking birds and things. But you get to the stage where you get a bit older in life and nothing seems to impress you, if you know what I mean, you know, kind of thing. And somebody walked in and said, oh, yeah, do you hear about uh, a fella's just been to the moon? And he built a spaceship himself in his back garden. I fell in Birkenhead and he's gone to the moon. And he's gone there and he's doing the karaoke on the moon, but he's not coming back. He doesn't know how to get back. You just go, oh, you know, oh, sound. Nothing seems to impress you when you get a bit older. So no, don't get me wrong, I'm enjoying it, you know, and I'm glad that it's happened because my style of comedy, which is not really the vogue at the moment, it's very kind of like politically based and biased comedy that's, that's the vogue now, the alternative scene. The kind of comedy that I was doing, I've done all my life, I've always loved doing real gags, telling the gag with a punchline. I've always liked picking on people and getting the audience to interact. So you've got to have, I'll always say this to people as well, I stuck at that. I never tried to change. I never went to a comedy club and said, well, giving up the mainstream comedy you know, because um, it's a different vogue now. It's a different way of life. People don't want to hear that. I knew there was an audience out there for me. Didn't want to do the kind of alternative style comedy. Although there's a place for it, you know, people love it. So let them go and watch it if they like it. But my style of comedy, you've got to have your, con you know, conviction. I, my conviction was, I think I'm a very good as a comic. My style of comedy, I think is the best. And I'm going to kind of like 
persevere, keep on doing it, do it to the day I die. If nobody picks up on it, no one says, oh, I think what you're doing is fantastic. Okay, that's okay with me. At least I've got the satisfaction of having the conviction of 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 uh, knowing, you know, that this is what I love, like doing, and I think it's very very funny. And uh, you know, I've kind of had the last lap in the end because I'm getting a lot of, uh, you know, getting a lot of attention. People are going for it. People are listening to me. People are watching me. People are kind of like queuing up to, uh, and people love the style of comedy that I'm doing, which is great. Yes, yeah, you know, as we, as I always say on every episode, massive thank you to all the support. It's been unbelievable. House tour flying still, 11,000 views on that. And uh, yeah, we're just going to churn out a load of content for you. My question to you, Frank, a lot of people listening to this right now will be a lot younger than you, probably about my age. But I'm curious as to, you know, let's say you are my age and you're going out as a comedian. Yeah. Like, what would you, what would you be your advice to the uh to your 30-year-old Frankie Allen self? Well, look, it depends, obviously, what uh, road you want to go down. I just want to go purely from a professional standpoint. Yeah, but what kind of comedy? I mean, there's different... No, 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 I'm talking about you specifically. I'm not talking about in 2021. There's a guy called Eddie Flint, who we spoke about in, in the other episode. Okay. I'm interested in, look, you have travelled the road mm. of being type of comedian that you are and gone down that road and suddenly found yourself in a position where you went viral overnight, you know, as you, as you called it late in life. Tell me about when you are or later in life, should I say not late in life? (laughs) What I'm asking is if you were talking to 30 year old Frankie Allen and you said, listen, mate, this is me at whatever age talking to you. And I want to give you these pieces of advice. Okay. Do this. Don't do this. Do this. Don't do this. What would you tell your former self? Well, there's nothing really that I could say to him, you know, that he could really do differently. Don't forget in the 80s and the 90s, things were very different. I mean, I was a blue comedian, which wasn't really in vogue. The only one that kind of came through was Roy Chubby Brown. You know, he was very successful. What about Jim Davidson? At who? Jim Davidson. It was Jim Davidson, but Jim Davidson was lucky in a lot of ways because Jim Davidson could work clean, so he could he could do the TV okay. and he could go down that avenue. But if he wanted to, if he got a bit of a kind of like working class crowd, he could be blue as well. But he wasn't like, you know, Chubby Brown. I don't think Chubby Brown was on the TV. I think he did opportunities in Knox as well. Must have been but, clean, though, if he's done that. Well, yeah, but sometimes you're clean, but I know Roy prefers to be blue. But what I'm saying is you can't really do things differently. You can't, if I look back at me when I was 30, maybe looking back at me before I did up Knox, what could I do differently? I mean, at the time, there was no videos, there was no vinyl videos, there was no podcasts. You're talking about in the 80s. So the only course that you could follow, the only pathway to kind of like fame and getting people to know you and getting paid attention was the TV. And I had a little chance at the TV and it never came off. So you kind of, once you've really, once you've had a go, you don't really get another chance. So, you know, I mean, I always think, you know, it's always in my mind, there must be fellas now who are working in factories, working in garages all over the UK who played football for a team of fantastic players and maybe when they were playing when they were a kid for the local for their local team for the school team maybe when the scouts came from the big foot from Tottenham from Man United wherever in the country they lived from Liverpool to watch them on the, on the Saturday morning maybe they had the flu and they weren't there 
So maybe, you know, there's people who are sitting in the house now who had the same talents as like, could have been another David Beckham. We just don't know, do you? It's all chance. Yeah. It's all chance. I had lads who I played football with who were like, you know, the lads who made it professional weren't the best players, you know. But at the same time, you got to look at hard work, the fact that these people plodded on, some people had setbacks. I know a lad who was was nowhere near the best player ended up becoming a professional in Australia just because he just kept plugging away and plugging away and plugging away and plugging away. Even when everyone wanted to go on the on the beers and young Dave reckons he would have been the next Jack Charlton if he hadn't had had oh, found uh, had uh, found females well, and alcohol. From what I could gather, he was a good footballer, a great player. <laughs> yeah. And his brother as well, Steve, when they played together, you know, they were kind of like, <laughs> they call him Jackie. They used to nickname them Bob and Jackie Charlton, who both played for England, two brothers played for England. Yeah. Yeah, so he did have a lot of talent. But yeah, you've got to have, um, what's the word? You've got to have not just the ambition. As you say, there's probably a lot of guys in their early 20s with a lot of talent and uh, could have played professionally for teams, but got fed up with the training, got fed up with the early nights and um, started clubbing it and lost the plot. I mean, a lot of a lot of people, you know, kind of like... Um, who became professional, then they went off the rails. You know, we don't have to mention them. There's people now that we're reading about in the paper now who were professional footballers and have lost it now. You know, they've come off the rails now and they've they've, 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 um, they've, they've uh, let themselves go. So I think it's a combination. You've got to have the talent, but you also have got to have determination, confidence and conviction in your own ability to stay at things to st- and then it becomes a chance game, doesn't it? If you're a very good footballer and you kind of like go, okay, I got rejected when I went for a trial at Man United, they said there was no good. And you go, okay, mm. right, let's go. I'll go and try for Man City. They didn't want to know. Go for Everton. And a lot of people get disheartened and they go, okay, I'll oh, fuck this. You know, there's a job going in the local factory by me, £500 a week. I'll go for that. And lose heart. It's got to be very difficult for people. You know, it's very disappointing. It's heartbreaking when you get turned away, when someone says to you, you're not good enough. It's happened to me in comedy. You know, I auditioned for an agency, a big agency in Liverpool in the eight, in the, in the late 70s, early 80s. And a guy sat in front of me and said, you'll never, you'll never be a comedian. You're just not funny. You haven't got a funny bone in your body. What a prick. What a prick. But I remember looking at him. And uh, even then, I was only 20, you know, 19, 20. I thought, you prick, fancy saying that to me, a young kid like that, you know. A lot of people, it'll destroy. And I looked at him and I thought, you won't destroy me, mate. I'll make you eat your fucking words. I'll make it if it's the last thing I fucking do. So that's what you've got to be. You've got to be kind of like angry in a way, so determined. And you never know. I mean, a lot of people won't remember this. Again, this has gone back many, many years there was a guy called Tony Buck, B-double-O-K, and um, he was playing at 30 or 32, playing for an amateur Sunday League football club. Yeah. And a guy from Manchester City came along who just happened to be at the game and saw him play and said to the manager, who the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah. And he said, Tony Buck, I said... What the fuck is he doing in this team? Brought another scout to watch him yeah. the following week. And the other scout said, my God, sign him now for City. And he signed for Man City. And he played for a few years, 
31, 32, 33, playing for Man City, became a wealthy lad. Just played all his life, but never gave up. Even in his 30s, still playing. You know, yeah, yeah, amazing, yeah. isn't it? I bet you there's some of you listening or watching who are, you know, who've had that trajectory. But any any advice to those people? Talented well, yeah, people out there? What, what I'd say to anyone and everybody is, you know, when people reject you, you know, it's like, you know, these guys that you, you get guys nursing. Don't want to be like sexist against women, but a lot of it's with guys. You know, people like you get guys nursing broken hearts, and all. there's always someone else. You'll meet someone else. You know, don't let one person kind of ruin you. And the same goes for if you're a professional footballer, if you're a boxer, if you lose a couple of fights and you're getting pressurized by your management to retire. If you're confident in yourself, there is a way forward. You know, you might want to take a sabbatical. Say, look, I'll take six months off and uh, reassess the situation, make a comeback. And uh, there's been some fantastic comebacks, not just with individuals, football teams, who've been written off as no good, have come back and won titles. Leicester, people, Leicester yeah, with the league. Leicester with the league, that's fantastic. Every avenue of life. You know, there's a girl called Petula Clark, who's a singer, I remember. I was only a kid in the 60s. And uh, she'd recorded a few records and she, she never really got anywhere. So she was coming to the end of her contract. She had one more record to record. Mm. And after that record, there was nobody else interested in her. The record company hadn't offered her another deal. Basically, she was finished. She was in the wilderness. And uh, she's even said, she, you know, she realised the end of her career was coming. So she recorded this record called Downtown. So it was released and it just blew up. It became number one in England, number one in America for months and months and months all over the fucking world. That one there, you can always go. Downtown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Became number one all over the world. So she became a superstar overnight. I remember a few years ago, there was um, a guy called Hank Mazel. And he was on TV on a documentary telling the story. And he was an American fellow, lived in Detroit. And he recorded this record. It was like a comedy record called Jungle Rock. I was walking through the jungle just the other night. Anyway, for whatever reason, 20 years after he recorded it, somebody started playing the disc somewhere in the disco in London, whatever, and it caught on. Then it caught on like, really caught on like wildfire. Got re-released in, in England, became number one in England. And he was on the TV and he said he was driving a taxi around and he hadn't sang, he hadn't been on the stage for like 20 years, driving a taxi around Detroit, living on his own in this little apartment. You know, he's in his 50s, then he let himself go and he went to sleep. And his manager, his old manager, found his number and rang him five o'clock in the morning and said, Hank, what are you doing? So what do you mean, what are you doing? He said, get ready. What for? He said, get ready. We're flying to England today. You're number one in England. You're on top of the pops tomorrow night. And he went, fuck. <laughs> and he went, no. And he said, what fucking record is it? Yeah. And he went, jungle rock. And he went, fuck off. And he went, no, Jungle Rock is number one. And he came over to England, 
And I don't think he had any success after that number one, but he made a lot of money and it revived him for a few years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, okay, I want to talk about some things that are coming up on the YouTube channel and stuff like that going forward that you don't know about. So I had a meeting this morning with um, somebody over the new series that we're going to put out on YouTube. Well, this is kind of like, this has to be confirmed. No, this is, this is happening. No, you can fuck off. Bro. People are going to love it. It is called... No. Frankie learns, and then we do a topic. So we're going to go for cooking, dancing, all different things like that. I think it'll be unbelievable. I think people would love it. What's your, what's your contention? Look, I've got no coordination at all. I'm very clumsy, and I'm known, my family, everybody knows I'm very clumsy, dropping things and whatever. I can't fucking dance. I'm not going to embarrass myself. Learn it to dance. Yeah, but don't you think people would love it? Like, as a, as a bit of banter, as I'm a bit really of a laugh? I'm really not insensitive. People love it. As I say, there's certain things, there's a boundary, a line that you draw. You know, I would never go on, fucking, I'm a celebrity, get me fucking out of here in the jungle, eating fucking worms. I reckon like, they would if you offered well, them enough, if though. if they offered me a million quid, you won't see me fucking lying on a bed full of cockroaches or lying in a plastic thing with frogs eating me. Fucking disgusting. I will never do that. Take it from me. I will never, you will never see my fat arse and baldy head swanning round some fucking stupid dance floor, <laughs> dancing with some fucking bird. Will you do the cooking one? I don't know about the cooking one because I, I mean, I'm absolutely atrocious. <laughs> I don't cook. I can't cook. The only thing I can fucking do is microwave. Although, I think when you were a kid, didn't I make a Christmas dinner once? Yeah, with Brussels sprouts and all kinds. What was it like? It's quite heavy, to be fair. I, th I think I remember making one for Will. Will came to mind one Christmas, or he was with me for Boxing Day, and I made this Christmas dinner. But I know he complained when he came back home because there was no gravy. But I didn't know how to make gravy at the time, but I think I made the rest of it. Yeah, it was sound. I think it was okay. But basically, no, I can't cook. Well, look, I don't mind. I'll do the cooking one. If people if people want to fucking laugh at me, because, because as anybody know anybody that knows me know I cannot cook. Yeah, but I don't think people all. are laughing at yeah. I think yeah. it's the it's the fact that you're just like a normal fella, just like most people who watch the channel. So they'd be like, "That's hilarious," because I can't cook either. So it's just you know you don't see on the BBC just a normal fella in a tracky on a cooking program, do you? Yeah, but look, well, where are we gonna fucking do it? We've got, I've, I've already got the setup, and I've they've got, got an oven there. I've got the kitchen. I've got a full kitchen. He's going to teach oh you how to, God. how to cook pasta. I've got, I've got the setup. Oh my God. Oh, look, this is a nightmare. I've got some I, more, I've, I've got I, some more ideas if you want I, to go through. Well, we'll have to think of something else because this is, you know, I mean, there's been some good TV programs over the years, which is something I've had on my mind where there was one on about 10 years ago and it was excellent, but it only, they only had it on for one season. I can't remember what it was called and what they did. And I could do this. This could be very good. They'd get a guy like a young kid in his 20s and they'd put him in a boot camp for like three or four days, teaching him how to tell jokes, how to be a comedian, how to approach the audience. Then at the end of the week, the TV people, they put him in a night in a club, in a social club or whatever it was, you know, a comedy club on stage alongside, in between, two professional comedians. Okay. And everybody had to do 10 minutes. Then the jury, so to speak, three or four people who, like me and like yourself, we'd sit there. And then the question is, 
Who was the fella that was bluffing it? Who was the fella that had taken the course for three days? And they weren't always exposed. Sometimes, you know, people would say, the guy on the left, the first guy that came on, you could tell he wasn't professional. I thought he was underconfident. And they go, wrong. He's been doing it for 15 years. You know, so I thought that was a very good, maybe that's a good angle to do. Yeah, it would be quite difficult. My inspiration for this, okay, this, you'll get this, is Brian Badondi. Because Brian Badondi does these weird things. If you don't know who Brian Badondi is, you spoke earlier about how you find it's difficult to make you laugh through like TV shows and stuff like that. There's very few people make me laugh. Brian Badondi is one thing Comedians that is fucking hilarious. Don't make me laugh. Yeah. Um, Larry David, who does Kirby and Enthusiasm. Funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Pissing myself. <laughs> yeah. Can't stop laughing. But Brian Badondi, who's an actual character. Um, face Jacker. In Face Jacker. Anyone remembers Face Jacker um, from about 10 or 15 years ago? And the guy who plays him, I can't remember his name now. Um, I better try find he's it. Got like a kind of an Iranian name or Iraqi name, but the character he portrays is Brian Badondi. He's absolutely hilarious. He does uh, other characters. Anybody can remember him. Terry Tibbs. Does isn't Terry it? Tibbs, and um, but his best character by far is um, and what he does. He went over to the states and he went over to meet relatives and people who were friends of. Andy Warhol, <laughs> the artists. Yeah. The artist, you know, the Just painter. give everyone an idea, first of all, of what the character of Brian Badondi is. It's actually based on a fellow called um, Brian Sewell, who's a critic in newspapers, and he's an arts critic. And he talks, he's got grey hair, blonde hair, and he talks very, very far back, you know, and he, and he goes around... Um, art studios where, where there are galleries where there's exhibitions and he's on BBC Two and BBC Four and he's going, oh yes, this is a picture painted probably by Constable around 1800. Now, the character I think is that Brian Badondi character is based very loosely on Brian Sewell and what he did is Brian Badondi, he's got this outrageous grey hair, or false nose and all this kind of like latex, latex mask caked in makeup and right over the top. And he pretends to be um, a critic, a, a TV critic, and he goes around with a film crew and he's interviewing people in studios. Now, Francis Bacon was a famous, was a famous artist. Yeah. So he's got this fellow who runs the gallery and he goes... Yes, here we are in the Tate Gallery. Now, am I right in saying we're looking at a picture which has been painted by Francis Bacon? <laughs> and the fellow goes, oh, yes, um, this is a Francis Bacon painting. And he says, yes, Francis Bacon. How long have you known Francis Bacon? And the guy goes, well... No, Francis Bacon, I didn't actually know him. He died in the Middle Ages, but he was a marvellous... And he goes, yes, Francis Bacon. Now, he done another one, which is the funniest one I've ever seen. He goes in this place in the States, in LA, which had... Che- the, the guy sells cheeses from all... Nah, that wasn't world. in LA, that was in London. Was that in London, was yeah, it? Yeah, and, and he was... The fella that he had cheese... 
Like all these different. Oh, types I thought of that changes. was the American one that he did. Anyway, wherever maybe, maybe it was. So it basically, was. basically it was in Los Angeles, Beverly Hills. Just before you go into this, so the idea for the Frankie Allen Lens X is based on Brian Bedondi. So basically, Brian Bedondi as a character goes in and learns different skills. So he does like uh, whiskey tasting, which he calls biscuit. Yeah. Uh, whiskey tasting, doing um, rapping. What else does he do? He do, he learns how to oh, about that was cheeses. Great, the episode, yeah. yeah, he does about cheeses. What else does he do? Painting, pottery, painting, pottery, yeah, was, stuff yeah, like terrible. that. Yeah, but I think you'd be hilarious at that. But well, go on, do something like that. But when he did, it was in LA, Beverly Hills. So he goes into this terribly upmarket uh, establishment which sell to the stars of Hollywood the best cheeses, you know, Swiss cheese. Uh, cheese, you know, Italian cheeses, the stuff that you have worms in and thing, that you, the cheese that's been matured for 30 years, cheese which is worth thousands of dollars, you know, that you can't actually get hold of. Now, cheddar cheese, everybody gets cheddar, or Cheshire cheese. Cheddar. Is, cheddar. Cheddar cheese, no disrespect to people who make cheddar cheese, is kind of like, you know, a kind of, um, what, what What would you, like, like the, the, like the, the, the second... It's like basic. It's like very basic cheese yeah. that, you know, anybody can buy in the, any supermarket around the world for a couple of quid. So Brian Badondi goes into this uh, cheese shop and he's interviewing, you know, the fellow who's, uh, who's the, uh, the manager and he goes, can I taste some of your cheeses? Fellow comes over with his cheese board and he goes, yes, this is Italian mozzarella matured for 15 years and um, we've had it um, this morning we've just lifted it it's been immersed in brine and it'll be ready for tasting um, about a week from today and this is very expensive it's $200 per ounce and he just grabs it puts it in his mouth and he goes oh, yes lovely still king of cheeses cheddar <laughs> yeah the fellow goes, excuse me, sir, it's not cheddar cheese. And he goes, yes, as you say, <laughs> cheddar cheese, king of cheeses. Yeah. Do you have anything else? And he goes, yeah, have a look at this cheese. This is an Italian cheese. This has been uh, fermented, wine fermented. It's been made in Sicily. It's fantastic. And it's 15 years old. And he goes, can I have a taste? And he goes, yes, a little bit like Cheshire. But once again, cheddar cheese, ladies and gentlemen. King of cheeses. Yeah. Then the fella starts kicking off. It's very, very funny. You've got to watch it. Check it out if you haven't already. But my idea is to do basically Frankie Allen learns, stuff like that. So whether it's well, pottery. That'll be okay. And I can do that. Wouldn't you do like um, dancing, no? No, I'm not doing a dancing thing, no. Cooking? Not really, no. The cooking one's happening. Well, you'll have to do it on your own. Cooking. Um, we could. You could learn how to... I don't know, there's loads of different things. Yeah. Lo loads of different things. Kilvo could teach you how to box. Well, look, I don't know. Maybe it's early days yet. Don't jump the gun. Don't be booking things in and whatever, because I just won't do it. Let me, you know, see what I'm comfortable with. I'm not going to do something to embarrass myself and look like a dickhead. <laughs> Fair enough. But so, we, need to, we need to put out content for the people well, on I the channel. I don't care about the guy. I really don't give a fuck. I'm not making a fool you of Hold on a minute. You're saying you don't give a fuck. These people tune in every week. Yeah, but I'm not going to be a fucking dancing bear for anybody. <laughs> yeah, no one's... I'll do something no one's which I think... to be a dancing bear. Well, I've just bear. suggested, you know, bringing people in, kind of like a boot camp thing, which would be very educational to people. And uh, we could take them at the evening, you know, the, the weekend, and get them working alongside 
um, normal comedians. I'm not like, you know, dismissing it out of band, but there's got a lot of thought, got to go into it. Yeah, well, people love the house tour, so I don't know, maybe we could do your car tour next. Do my car tour, and what we could talk about is all the cars that I've owned all my life. I oh, know, that'd be so boring. Why? Why would people, so why you'd would people want to see that? So you'd go around my car now, saying, this is your car, here's the fucking ashtray, here's the steering wheel. You know, more interesting. We go. What was the first car that you ever? What did you pack your test? <laughs> yeah, it's in? like Top Gear. It's like it's gonna be like Top Gear. Yeah, it's gonna be like this. The first. And can you remember the first gig that you went to in this car? I think it'd be interesting. Okay. Um. Yeah. I'm sure we'll come up with some things. One thing I did want to do was a full uh, day of. Somebody requested a full day of eating. All day. What does that mean? So there's a lot of like fitness YouTubers or yeah. like people out there mm. that will do either a day in my life, a okay. week in my life, or some of the popular ones are a full day of eating. Yeah. So it'll be like, hey guys, I want to take you on a full day of eating. I'm about to have my breakfast. Yeah. It's nine o'clock. This is what I have. Okay. Roll through it all. This is what I've had for my lunch. This is what I've had for my tea. Oh, look, well, this is just crap. I don't, I don't eat meals. <laughs> what do you mean, don't eat meals? I'll have a breakfast in the morning. What's the breakfast usually, just so people know? Cheese on toast with bacon on it. Oh, you've gone up in the world, bacon now? Yeah, two pieces of bacon. Yeah, cool. And a with coffee, a latte. a latte, coffee. And then maybe, you know, I'll do a bit of shopping in the afternoon, buy a bit of stuff in, but it's got to be, you know, like a lasagna or something. But it's got to be a microwavable thing. Yeah. You know, that I can cook it myself and just eat it. Then I just have a, you know, you see me fridge. There's fuck all in the fridge. So maybe I'll buy a little bit of cheese. Maybe, you know, bacon or something or so there's fuck all. You know, I just kind of like eat when I'm hungry. Yeah. But typical day, just out of curiosity, yeah. what, what does that look like food-wise? You obviously have your breakfast in the morning. I've had my breakfast this morning. I've got stuff in, believe it or not, this week. I've just got bacon and eggs. And uh, some cheese, but I don't know. I might go to shops later and get something nice, like a just a micro meal. Yeah, you know I can't cook. It's not gonna be. You're not gonna fucking see me like standing there like Ainsley fucking Harriet cooking on a big stove and things in the oven and all that. And you know you see these pricks on the telly going, uh, "Oh yes," and just add a little coriander. What the fuck is coriander? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And get to, if you can just die, uh, just chop up a little uh, aubergine, put it in the mixer. What fucking mixer? Yeah. You know, it's just all fucking rubbish. All these things on a TV, you know, people are teaching you how to fucking cook. Very pretentious, you know. Oh yes, we're making pancakes. Well, that's the whole point. That's why I want. That's why I want. We're to making do. pancakes today. What about you, Laura? What? Oh yes, I've made this fucking pancake. Yes, you can put syrup on it. Here's one I've already made. Fuck off. Yeah, that's why I thought cooking would be perfect to kick off. Well, we'll do said. it then. If you don't mind me slagging these fucking TV chefs off. No, that's fine. Like, who's that fella that's in, the, in, 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 he's in America now, I think, he does a bit of, and he's going out and he's kicking off on people in the fucking kitchen. <laughs> Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> fucking hell, what a prick. I've seen him kicking off on people, shouting at people, that's wrong. 
that fucking pastry's gone off and it's sour and all. Fuck no. I'll tell you have what. You ever, have you ever seen him kick off on the scouser? No, he wouldn't kick off on me. I'll tell you what, if he spoke to me the way he speaks to those people, I would stick his fucking head in the apple sauce or whatever he was making. What do you say? If he spoke to you like yeah, that? Yeah, we're one? talking about, I'm just talking about these celebrity TV chefs. I don't like any of them. You know, they're up their own arse. They think they're fantastic. They think they're great. They've got a fucking big double oven in their house. They've got people, I'm sure, who are kind of like hanging around behind the camera who help them cook the fucking stuff. All right, let me ask you this, Kay. Let's say you went on to a cooking show and yeah. you, you were like on a celebrity cooking show. Yeah. And there's you and loads of other contestants. Okay. And you're cooking scrambled egg. Yeah. Just an example, breakfast meal, you're on the thing. And Gordon Ramsay walks in and he goes, who's cooked this fucking scrambled egg? Yeah. Who's cooked this fucking scrambled egg? Yeah. Well, straight away, <laughs> yeah. I would say, who the fucking hell are you speaking to, you scruffy cunt? Punch <laughs> your fucking head in if you ever speak to me like that again. Now, fuck off. I'm sorry, this fucking scrambled egg's not good enough. Then I grab him by the hair and I fill a pan full of fucking water, stick his head in it and put it on the stove and light it. <laughs> fucking hell. Fair play. You're not into Gordon Ramsay. Don't like him. He's a bully. I've seen him shouting at people. I hope he watches this. I'll come on your fucking show, mate. Try and talk to me like a dog. You'll end up lying on the fucking floor, snoring. <laughs> Fair play. What? Just, you know, on that, I know this has been quite a free-flowing convo today. We haven't had much of a topic. I hope you've enjoyed listening in. Tell us about what, like, what do you watch on telly then? If You know, obviously you've seen some of these programmes. Yeah, well, I'm always learning languages, aren't I? I don't watch TV chefs and all that fucking crap. And I've seen it's a thing, really, that I don't like. It's not just Gordon Ramsay. A lot of these chefs um, are kind of bullies. And you see these poor, they're only young kids, you know, what they are to me anyway, young girls and fellas, 16, 17, 18. And I tell you, for the time to make this fucking thing, they've got 10 minutes to do it. They're nearly scalding themselves, trying to get it in the oven. Then the Terry find the fellas coming around. Oh, yes, I'll give that four out of 10. And I've seen one of these cons. They go like that, they get like a stick and they go, who made this? Oh, like that baldy fella who's oh, on the bake-off. Fuck, I tell you what, if it was my son, I'd be right down to the fucking kitchen. And I'd say, listen, don't you ever speak to my son like that. I'm going to fucking kill you. Go like, Who made this? You should be ashamed of you. They should be ashamed of themselves. Speaking to people the way they do, horrible bullies. Do you watch the bake-off or anything like that? No, don't watch any of that crap. It's all fucking rubbish. I don't like it. What I watch, I watch like a little bit, of, a tiny little bit of sport. I'm not really interested and, you know, match of the day and all that fucking crap. Like Let me it. ask you out of curiosity. This yeah. is purely for, you know, out of interest for me. Well, you know, if Liverpool are playing, yeah. are you asked? Do you watch it? Not really, not really, no. Would you ever get into it and think, oh, this is a boss match? If it was the Champions League final, maybe, yeah. Okay, just yeah. for the atmosphere. But if it's just like a premiership match, I'm not really asked. No. If Liverpool got beat. If somebody rang me and said, oh, what you about Liverpool? They got beat 200 nil today. Mm. I'd go like that. At the end of the day, the way I look at it, you know, does it, what does it do for me? Does it, it doesn't bring, give me, put any money in my account, does it, or bring yeah, any food onto my table? Yeah. Fuck that, no, I'm not asked. So what I watch, I watch a lot of things on the Discovery Channel, you know, about things, geography around the world, 
people exploring the jungle or like that, you know, and uh, I watch a show called Unsolved Mysteries. I love kind of strange things that have happened around the world and ghosts, paranormal things. That's the kind of thing I watch. Yeah, we're going to try and add in, um, We, you know, everyone was taking the piss out of Frankie for the paranormal hour thing on Facebook. Oh, a lot of people liked it. Yeah, but people were taking the piss. No, there was only one fella who was taking the piss. No, there was more than one fella. But that I, was why I it all... saw one comment, and that was fucking Rafferty in Dublin. <laughs> so basically, we did a... Ken Rafferty. We did a paranormal hour, and um, people were saying it was sending their kids to sleep. No, there's one person said it. A lot of people loved it. A lot of people came on and said, what happened to the paranormal hour? I have some fantastic stories, but for some reason, Will's not into that. So Ken Rafferty, a friend of ours, he comes on quite a lot. He's a good lad. He sent a thing through, and it's quite funny. And he said, Frankie, can you finish? The, it's okay now. My son's fell asleep listening to your paranormal hour. You know? <laughs> so you've saved me a job of getting to sleep, which I thought was, didn't think it was funny at the time. But about an hour later, um, I burst out laughing. Yeah, I thought it was funny. Well, what we're going to start doing when we bring podcasts, uh, when we bring guests onto the podcast, should I say, we're going to start asking them if they've ever had any ghost experience, paranormal experience, good, yeah. alien shit like that. Be quite interesting. So... How are you feeling about this being the last podcast from me and you? It's going to go on a Sunday. Maybe we'll maybe we'll have to do this another time, or we'll we'll do well, some no, special we, episodes. I mean, we'll, we, we've got to keep on, you know. With the we've got to do it again. We'll do it another day. No, maybe. but this is going to be the, yeah. this video right now, or, or this podcast that you're yeah. listening to every Sunday. Now is going to be replaced with one that we do in studio with a guest. Yeah, well, it's a bit sad in a way, really, isn't it? You know, kind of like um, we've done it, you know, at home, you know, just in a kind of a small room, but it's come across very well. A lot of people have liked it, and that's all we're there for. We're not there to say, look, look at our studio, you know, look at our setup, isn't it fantastic? Um, this is professional, this is great. This is mahogany on the fucking walls. This is a leather chest appeal. We're just trying to entertain people, and people are entertained by what we're doing. So, you know, we're meeting the criteria, we're doing great. Perfect. Yeah, massive thank you for everyone who's tuned in, listened, watched, whatever. Stay tuned for the Mind PT podcast coming next week. Um, what are you up to with the rest of your day? Anything going on? Just going to chill today. I've really enjoyed this. Going to go to the shops. Uh, I'm going to buy um, a salmon. I'm going to buy coriander. Yeah. And um, what's the other fucking thing they keep going on about? An aubergine. Um. And I'm going to grill, grill the salmon with pepper and aubergine for 40 minutes. Take it out, let it marinate, <laughs> let it marinate in a bucket of piss. <laughs> then put it in the fucking oven and then go round with a little plate like that to people. Hey, have you, t this is marinated salmon. It's got... <laughs> It's got aubergine on. Oh, how's your daughter doing? Oh, she's great. She's in public school. She's playing tennis. Would you like a bit of salmon? Fuck off. Fuck off with your fucking salmon. Nice one. So uh, from Frankie Allen and myself, peace out. Goodbye. We will see you on the next one. And uh, if you have watched this on YouTube, give us a thumbs up, get yourself subscribed, comment, do you think, all of that. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, whatever you're listening to, give us a five-star review, be sound. We like people being sound. We'll be sound to your back if you're sound to us. What do you reckon? Thanks, everybody, for interacting. It's been a blast. It's been great. 
and um, enjoyed it. So take care. One more thing. Go on. That's fucking scrambled eggs. Terrible. <sighs> well, that's why. Do you know what? They really irritate me. I can't watch those horrible bully chefs going bullying fucking people. You know, and uh, telling you what's of the, the society today is so fucking invasive in it. This is what I hate about the nanny state. People follow you, telling you what to cook in your own fucking kitchen. Have you seen these other pricks where you want, you've got a few quid, you want to buy a fucking house in Spain? So they come with you and they're telling you what to fucking buy. Oh, uh, they're in your fucking house. Following you round. Well, what do you think of this one? I'll show you another one. Who the fuck are they to tell you what else to buy? No, that's what it's become these days. I don't like it. People are too nosy, overpowering, telling you what to do. What about people? What's see, the fucking What about wear? people seeing your house? Obviously, loads of people have seen it now. Yeah. Are, are you asked? I'm not really asked because you know it, like- I'm not a pretentious person. I'm not trying to be something that I'm not. It's just an ordinary fucking house. Yeah, there's fuck all in a fridge sometimes. I'm not trying to pretend I'm a fucking big star, you know. Like, I don't fucking, you know, a holiday. in. I don't go fucking skiing in the French fucking Alps. You know what I mean? Why do, you know, I'm not pretentious. I don't like pretentious people. Fair enough. On that note, um, to all the pretentious people listening. (laughs) Yeah, so next week, we'll be exploring how to make mould cod... (laughs) And the cod that we get is a very rare cod. It's only caught off the coast of France. And what we do, we get the very rare cod, which you can't get hold of. We marinate it. We um, put our fingers in its fucking mouth and go like that on its tongue. And then we put diced pepper on. Then we put truffles up its arse. And then we get some young kid to cook it. And when it's burned, we go, what the fuck are you doing with that fucking fish? Yeah. It's heavy, isn't it? So we'll see you soon. Uh, nice one. I hope you enjoy your grilled salmon, people, tonight. Make sure you marinate it. Any tips for marinating Marinate the salmon? it with aubergine. Nice one. Right. Catch us all in a bit. Appreciate your time. See you later. See you later, everyone.